In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and begin with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we talk about how to live and teach the Catholic faith to our families, friends, um, maybe those who are in our Catholic circles and those who aren't, um, to reveal the beauty of the truth of our faith and how to live it, um, and hopefully draw people in by our witness. Uh, uh, Today, I am your host, Mickey Siba. I am the Seasons of Infancy and Initiation Specialist here at the Institute, and my co-host... I'm Luke Arredondo. I am the Director of Faith Formation for the St. Philip Institute. And I know Deanna and I normally do sort of host together, but I just want to give a shout out to her. At the time of this recording, she (laughs) just brought a precious baby into the world. So I want to give a shout out to Deanna Johnston and her family and to little Leo Maximilian. Um, Great Catholic name. Absolutely. uh, So excited for them. So if you could pray for them and their family as they celebrate the joyful welcoming of this child into their home. Absolutely, yeah. Very exciting for us at the Institute that she's, you know, baby's finally here. So. Yeah, it's, it's been a long-awaited, I'm sure on her <laughs> part, but uh, we've been calling them Insta-Kids. <laughs> so all of the kids of the Institute sort of parents. So we added another Insta-Kid to our group. Yep. Um, and so I think it's just fitting, too, because today we are going to talk about how to, um, we're going to talk about Lent and um, how to really make the practice of Lent something that's meaningful in your home. Uh, Because practicing Lent, um, like when I was in college, and it was just myself, was a very different experience than practicing Lent once I had children. Are are you saying toddlers can't practice Lent as well as a mature (laughs) 20-something who's at a serious Catholic college? Right. (laughs) Um, And so it was just... um, So today we're going to just talk about a little bit about the principles of Lent, things that we should be focusing on, and either things that we've learned in trying to make Lent... um, Something that's transformative in our home uh, and share things that we've learned either through successes or failures um, and just provide some ideas about how to make this time of Lent really meaningful for yourselves and your children. Absolutely. So just to give a little bit of context, uh, my children are still young, so I have two nine-year-olds and a four-year-old. So everything that I have tried has sort of catered to that Mm -hmm. age group as we've you know, progress throughout the years. <laughs> yeah, and I've got uh, four daughters. Um, so I, I have an eight, an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-and-a-half-year-old, and a, and, uh, a twenty-month-old. Um, so still, f- my focus has also been on on even younger kids. Um, so this, these ideas will that we'll talk about. A lot of them are, you know, they might not be a- applicable for teenagers um, or tweens or whatever. <laughs> uh, but it's something to to sort of get you some general ideas. Wonderful. Um, and I'm excited to share some of the ideas. I know you shared one with me yesterday that I'm really excited about, and I brought it home to my husband, and I think we're going to do it. Okay. But, um, a little teaser. People will have to wait till we get a little further in yeah. the show before we reveal the big <laughs> the big Arendondo Lenten practice. Uh, but before we start talking about practicals, um, maybe just give an overview of sort of Lent in general, um, general focus, 
what's even the goal of Lent? Um, yeah. Is there like a, a goal, like checking off boxes that we do, these sorts of things? So what would you say to people like as they're preparing to enter into this time of prayer, um, hopefully of spiritual enrichment, what's, what, do you, what would you say the focus? Yeah, well, I think Lent is one of the most important seasons in the church. If you look at the history of the way the liturgical seasons have developed, uh, Lent was an early practice that the church adopted. Um, and it's been through a lot of changes in terms of the strict rules that, that, that maybe we don't have to, we're not bound by anymore. Um, but the purpose of it is to unite ourselves to Christ and his suffering, right? Uh, and that happens, the suffering happens, we celebrate that at the Triduum. Uh, but the Lenten uh, experience of those 40 days is uh, also something that you see in scriptures. There's, there's different 40-day periods or 40-year periods. Christ, of course, after his baptism, and I think there's something very instructive about that, right after he's baptized, immediately goes out and is tempted for the 40 days in the desert. So uh, as Christians, it is our uh, attempt to unite ourselves to that, to remember and try and participate in that in our own limited fashion, um, so as to prepare for the glory of the resurrection that happens at Easter. Um, so it's it's just, um, you know, a really good practice of uh, fasting and praying and almsgiving, giving up things uh, so that we can experience somewhat what Christ experienced in, in his giving up of everything for us. One of the things I was doing was reading the Catechism, because sometimes I'm not the greatest with words, and so... <laughs> So sort of using the words of people. Um, and so I do want to read the catechism when it's talking about um, one of the focuses during Lent is is repentance. Sort of a big theme is repentance. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to read uh, from the catechism paragraph 1431 that just talks about what penance is. And it says, interior penance is a radical reorientation of our whole life, a return, a conversion to God with our whole heart, an end of sin, a turning away from evil, with with repugnance toward the evil actions we have committed. At the same time, it entails the desire and resolution to change one's life with hope in God's mercy and trust in the help of his grace. So I know that's kind of big, but just I want to focus on the idea of a radical reorientation of our whole life, a a returning to God. And so even as we consider, what am I going to do this Lent? Sort of keeping that in mind. Because um, I think even as I have progressed, I have failed in um, really what the purpose is. I remember, um, I forget how old I was, maybe my 20s. I was doing this thing called P90X. I don't know if you ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know some people that did that. Obviously, I have not done it, but uh, I'm familiar with the, with the program. I yeah. was brutal. And um, so there's one episode or like one of the CDs, it's called Ab Ripper X. And it, it's like a 15-minute exercise that you do after you've already right. done a yeah, full... Yeah. A double workout. A day, double workout. Right? Um, yep. All about the abs. And so the guy is giving an intro before the exercises start. And he's like, we're going to do like 356 reps. And, um, and he's like all fired up about it. At the end, he goes, ab ripper X. I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so... For some reason, when I think about Lent, yeah. that's sort of what I think about. Like, I hate it, but I love it. But I also think that um, because it is hard, it is hard yeah. to radically um, reorient ourselves towards God. It is hard to return to God with our whole heart because with that, there are things that we have to give up, give up, yeah. um, shave off, or prayer that we have to increase. And um, but sometimes I think I've approached it like I approached P90X. Like, I'm going to finish this workout. 
Yeah. And I did, I'd be like, okay, great. But then eventually, maybe the, the fervor of staying healthy and exercising kind of faded. Yeah. And then, well. <laughs> yeah. So Lent's not just about giving up something bad, although hopefully we should do that. Um, it's, it is about a conversion. It is about a repentance. So the, the section that Mickey read from the Catechism uh, is actually within the sacrament, uh, within the discussion of the sacrament of confession. And it says later on, uh, that a good model for conversion is the story of the prodigal son, right, in Luke's gospel. Uh, and that process was, uh, I mean, everything that you might want to go through during Lent happens in those few verses of the chapter, right? He, uh, maybe not the first part, where he leaves his father and begs for his inheritance before his father's dead, uh, sort of saying, I wish you were dead, you're no, you know, you're no good alive to me, I want my money that I will get when you die. So then he leaves, he goes to the far land, and he, and he, he squanders everything, and then he realizes... What am I doing with my life? Uh, I have no money. I am, you know, working with the pigs, and I want to eat the things that they're eating. The slaves in my father, the servants in my father's house, are treated better than this. I need to go back to the father, which is really what all of us need to be doing during Lent. We need to return to the father, uh, and that means though it, making decisions, having a firm amendment not to keep doing the sinful things that we're doing, uh, but to to cast them off, to see them as they truly are, not as liberating. Uh, but as enslaving, and to begin to walk away from them and toward the Father. And you see in that, that story of the prodigal son, when he's walking, he's decided, I'm going to apologize for all these things. I have this whole speech planned out. He doesn't even get through all of it, right? Because the Father wants to welcome him back. And that's that's sort of what we do at Lent, um, maybe in not as dramatic of a fashion. Uh, but it, it's not just trying to get rid of some habit. It's trying to return to the true purpose of our lives, which is to be united to Christ. Mm. Um, sort of to follow up on that, um, also another quote from the Catechism is that uh, in 1432 it says, the human heart is heavy and hardened. And whatever background we have, we know that that's true even in our own lives. And God has given man a new heart. Conversion is the first of all the first of all a work of the grace of God who makes our hearts return to him. And God gives us strength to begin anew. It is in discovering the greatness of God's love that our heart is shaken by the horror and weight of sin and begins to fear offending God by sin and being separated from him. The human heart is converted by looking upon him whom our sins have pierced. And so the idea of um, no longer wanting to be separated from him and taking the necessary action to, like you said, return, because God is there wanting to welcome us back. And not that we should wait for Lent to do this, but I do think Lent is a good, um, you know, kick up. A uh, kickstart, what is that, a kickstart campaign? Is that yes, what they, yeah. they do have those. <laughs> um, a kickstart campaign for our <laughs> spiritual life and can sort of give us the um, what we need to just get started um, in progressing in the spiritual life. Yeah, there's a, a, another line from a little bit later in the Catechism, 1433, that uh, it's the same spirit which illumines for us the reality of sin, which also provides us the mercy through which we can be forgiven. Right, and so it's, it's even God's work to speak to us and tell us that this is this is bad. Like you, you have things that you need to stop doing. Um, so it's already it's that's already God's mercy in progress is to recognize the reality of what we're doing um, for, for for what it truly is that it's not something good or fulfilling, uh, and that we need to begin moving back toward Him. 
And one of the things, too, that it mentions um, in the catechism is that when we're talking about interior repentance and turning away from sin and turning towards God, it does list three forms um, of repentance that are very helpful in doing that, um, which is fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, which is what we focus on during, during Lent. And um, because they they deal with how we express our conversion in relation to God, ourselves, and others. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think this is one of the um, things that I fall into, sort of the one thing that I struggle with, is because you can Google ideas for Lent, and you might find articles that are like 101 things to do for Lent or 40 ideas for the family. And it's almost as if there's so much stuff out there that it can kind of be overwhelming yeah at least for me and so i tend to bite off way more than i can chew (laughs) and sort of give those expectations um to my children even though they haven't asked for it (laughs) right um and so one of the things that i have found to be a challenge is okay how do i um as an individual focus on lent and my own conversion and then um, in relation to my husband, in relation to my children and how we practice that at the house yeah. and in our home. And so um, if I could give any advice is to just not get overwhelmed. Right. <laughs> to remember the idea is conversion and in its ongoing conversion. So it's not like everything that's wrong before Lent is going to be radically different. Right. Um, like everything at the end of these 40 days is going to be different and new. Like hopefully it is a little different because that's what allowing God into our lives does. It changes us. It transforms us. But it is an ongoing conversion because we've never arrived. So to do things that are, yes, challenging, but also doable. Right. Yeah. I think it's important to try and and pick a a realistic number of things to to attempt to achieve. And, And you can do that in different ways. Um, you can just decide, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to pray the rosary every day. That's it. Now, that's not uh, maybe the heights of spiritual asceticism that some of the monks in the history of the church have, have reached. But if you're if you're not praying every day or if you haven't, you know, it's something to start with. And it's a good thing. Um, and it can build a good habit. Or it may be that you're going to do the Liturgy of the Hours some of the Liturgy of the Hours, right? Uh, maybe, maybe pick one office if you're new to it. Don't try and do all of them. Um, and I'm not saying that I have done that and failed, but I have. Um, and and for, I think it's also really important for families. So I, I sort of think there's three areas for Lent um, to be successful for if you're, you know, f- from a family perspective. The parents need to have something that they are doing on their own, uh, individually and then as a couple. Then there needs to be something that the kids have, that's their responsibility. And it probably shouldn't be the same as what the parents are being asked to do. Uh, and then third, something that the whole family can participate in. Uh, and, and you really need all of those dynamics. If you're just making the, the family all come together at once, that's good. That's better than nothing. Uh, but then there's no individual buy-in or individual responsibility. Um, and if you try and make the, the kids do the same thing that the parents are doing, most of the time, that's not going to work, I would say. <laughs> Maybe occasionally. Uh, but but those three things, I think, need to be addressed. How have... Um, so, I'll, and I like, to the idea that... Well, and two, you can't give what you don't have. So, as a parent, I should never ask my kids to consider some form of fasting if I'm not willing to do right. that myself. Or additional prayer if I'm not willing to do that myself. So... Um, would you even say that that is sort of the priority, like 
find out something for yourself. And like, if you find yourself overwhelmed, um, is there, what would your recommendation be like? Okay, well just stick to your personal one and then try to get back on the horse with the kids or the family thing. I mean, what would you recommend for people who are diving in and in a few weeks in they're like, Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's it's important to start simple. Um, and this has taken my this has taken me years to figure out in my own spiritual life. Um, I will find seasons in my life where I'm praying the rosary every day and I haven't missed months of it, you know. Uh, and then I think, you know, I had to add on something. Advent's coming up. I'm going to pick up the Liturgy of the Hours and I'm going to add that to it. And then I get to where I have too many things and then I crash and maybe I don't pray for a week or, or something, right? Um, so there, I think there's a really, a really good value in finding something realistic and simple. And remember, you know, uh, saints often were very incredibly simple, you know, in, in their prayer lives and in their lives. Um, I like to read Story of a Soul during Lent. I don't do it every year, but I've done it many years. Uh, and I'm just always marveled at, at St. Therese's simplicity. She has no sort of imagination that she's fancy or special or that she can do some tremendous works. She's doing these very simple, doable things, but doing them with great love. Um, so I think for parents especially, you need to realize where where you really are, take an accurate assessment of what you are capable of, and challenge yourself. Don't just say, well, I'm just going to do something easy because I don't want to overburden myself, but find you, there's, you need prudence to decide what's a good and realistic challenge uh, and then try and, and do the same thing for your kids. So I don't I don't know what what your kids have tried to give up for Lent different years. Um, last year, my daughter uh, Faustina said she was going to give up playing with all of her toys for the entire Lent, and we were like, "It's <laughs> a great idea. That would be really wow." I don't know how we're going to measure that, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was a little rough to try and really <laughs> see if this is actually happening or not. You know, maybe one day at a time it could. But uh, we, we've found it to be better when there's more realistic and meetable mm-hmm. challenges. But still challenges. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, again, and this is this is something that I do to myself and I also impose on the people around me, um, is I take too much. Um, and I challenge too much, but then at the end of it, or even in the middle of it, I'm just like, okay, this is not sustainable. Yeah, I can't do it. And so, so then I go to another, and I'm like, okay, well, let me come up with something really creative that'll catch the kids' attention. Um, because we've we've tried um, the fasting thing. We've done pretty good at implementing like prayer and some form of almsgiving. It's the fasting part that has been a challenge for some of my children. Yeah, like, trying to give something up because it's like. Yeah, well, I had a piece of candy day at school because, you know, someone was having a party. And I'll just give that up tomorrow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Make up for like, it tomorrow. I'll, I'll work on that. And so as a parent, too, not I'm still learning on how to respond to yeah. those sorts of things. Because like, um, one of the things that I have found is when you're trying to form your kids spiritually – when it is um, practices that are meant to encourage them in their relationship with God, if they fail and you become like punitive, like if the, the result is some some punishment, um, right. at least for some of my children, that does not work. It just, yeah. um, it turns into discouragement, maybe even a little bit of resentment. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to do anything. You right. know? And so even just learning how to respond to my children, um, if like, okay, well, this is something we committed to. Let's get back on the horse. I understand yeah. that's really hard. Um, so the fasting part, as far as, because we do certain family fasts. So 
um, you know, uh, very, very simple meals on Friday. Right. Um, obviously meatless, but simple, nothing, yeah. um, no like fancy fish or, um, stuff that's real good <laughs> you on get fish Friday. sticks, some frozen fish sticks. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so, so those are sorts of things that we do as a family, but encouraging my kids to take up an individual fast, I would say that that's probably the biggest challenge that we've had, yeah. um, in our home and with the kids. I found that for our kids, fasting is, it really varies from one individual personality to another. Um, my oldest oftentimes will realize, hey, I haven't eaten breakfast yet, and it's like 10. I could turn this into a fasting day, you know. <laughs> we slept in or whatever was going on. I can, I'll just wait till way later to eat, and this will be a fasting day. I can offer it up for whoever's having a baby or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my, my next daughter is she will forget that she's eaten 20 minutes ago and she's, you know, asking for a snack or she walks in with a piece of fruit and we're like, we just, did we just eat? Um, so it's, it, it's a lot harder to get her to fast than, than my oldest. Um, but I think that the, the, it's an important part of Lent and, and family life to teach mercy, right? And this, I mean, this is really what Lent is about is teaching us the, the goodness of divine mercy that you know, we can, we can't do it on our own. We should try to do something and, and in, in that, we learn we, we can't do all of it. Uh, we need God's mercy and God's grace. So I think in family life, it's a—and this is what the, the Catechism says on, on the section on family life— it's a school of virtue, um, and that's going to include teaching them, in our own response to their failures, a merciful response, right? Uh, and that's tough sometimes if, you know— uh, like, it's because we're human. Uh, sometimes we want to be more like, oh, come on, this is really serious. I can't believe you said you were going to do this and then you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, it is important, though, to try and, and teach them gracefully what it looks like to fail and to start over again, right? And that's, I mean, that's the beauty of the, the, of the prodigal son uh, is he, he started over. Mm-hmm. He made the choice and then he did. Yeah. Um, I love that, the idea of teaching teaching mercy and how to – how to deal with ourselves when we fail and also right. how to deal with other people when they fail. I think that's, I'm going to have to bring that into my home <laughs> and remember that uh, when things don't quite pan out the way that we planned. Yeah. Well, you, you know, if, if you don't remember it from the catechism, you can remember it from Yoda who says that failure <laughs> is the most important of our teachers. Uh, he tells that to Luke Skywalker. So. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but now I will remember that. <laughs> Um, okay, so why don't we just jump in and talk a little bit about um, some of our experiences, um, talk about managing our expectations. I know yeah. the other day you shared with me a story. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll start with that. Um, so I, as, as Yoda wisely said, failure can be sometimes the greatest teacher. Uh, when I had just two children, uh, my oldest, Faustina, was, I guess, almost two, and Kiara was a newborn uh, that year, I had discovered there was this great Fulton Sheen um, uh, Way of the Cross little booklet, and so I ordered like three or four of them because they were like two dollars, and decided we're this this year, every Friday we're going to do the Stations of the Cross. I'm sorry, it was Stations of the Cross. We're going to do this every week at home. We had um, by chance acquired a complete set of framed pictures of Stations of the Cross that some school was giving away. So we had him in our hallway, and I thought, this is going to be beautiful. Uh, and I wrote a blog post about it at the time when I was doing that, and it was like something like, you, you can teach an old Catholic new tricks. And I had I was all inspired. 
Um, and because, you know, the kids were two and newborn, so they're not going to have a lot to, to contribute. We made a color sheet for my daughter, some snacks for the other one, or maybe she just had a bottle. I guess she was, she was very young. And I think we made it through three stations before it just completely melted down. Uh, the coloring page was ripped up. The crayons were thrown everywhere. And uh, the baby was just screaming wildly. And we may have made it through the entire stations that that first Friday of Lent, uh, <laughs> two days after Ash Wednesday, my big idea just crashed and burned. And I don't think we ever did it again um, <laughs> because it was just too much, right? And And, and that's you know, a little bit of my own folly. and But also, um, I, I didn't adapt and try and, like, adjust the plan. Mm-hmm. I was just like, no, we're doing the Stations of the Cross, and we're going to sing the song, and we're going to get all the way through it. Um, I think it's important to, to try and adjust and calibrate things as, as, as your children age and, and are able to handle more. So, you know, if you pray the Family Rosary or the Divine Mercy Chaplet, if that's going to be your thing for the family to do, it might be okay if you only pray one decade with the kids, get them to bed and finish finish the rest on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they're tired and grumpy and the parents can just do all the prayers and let the kids fall asleep. I mean, that's it is pretty beautiful seeing your kids fall asleep to the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which only takes like eight minutes anyways. <laughs> uh, or, or the rosary if you, you know, like we often do try and plan prayer at bedtime to coincide. Yeah. Um, that that's beautiful it's not you know it's not the same as them praying the whole rosary on their own but it's something that they'll i think that they'll remember um so calibrating expectations versus what is really possible and having this flexibility uh is is, you know is really critical you don't have to just dig your heels in when it seems like this isn't going to work um, you can still do something and something is better than nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not really a big, just my personality, I'm not a big planner, but when I take the time to actually sit down and make a plan, yeah, it's like I've committed myself. We've, we're doing this. Yeah. And so I can, I can be so rigid sometimes in those moments because right. it takes a lot of work for me to actually, and a lot of thought to put a plan together. So I'm like, we got to stick with this. And so just, and I've learned this through many failures, that that flexibility is key to really guiding your children, or at least for mine and my family, guiding my children closer to the heart of Christ. Because ultimately, that's what it's about. Right. Um, and so, again, I love this idea of, like, mercy. Yeah. Um, and, and making sure that they... Because if they experience that during the season, how much can that just stick with them the rest of their lives? And I think that that is just, um, for me, that's one of the takeaways from this podcast. And um, because I do tend to have, I guess, I've tried to make more realistic expectations. um, But and then not, I can't plan for how flexible I need to be because I don't know how (laughs) my kids are going to act. But um, one year I found this. Uh, and we've tried it a few years, and I just keep I just keep putting it on a refrigerator. But it <laughs> has um, it's just like a little piece of paper that you fold in half, and then you staple the top, and then there's little um, slips of paper on ways to fast, pray, mm-hmm. and give alms. And um, you put them into the paper, and I just hang it on the refrigerator, and they yeah. can just take one out in the morning. The idea was that they would right. take one out in the morning, and then they would practice it that day. I'm trying to teach them like a prolonged <laughs> right. um, practice of something prayerful or something, um, a way that they can fast all day long. 
And um, so the idea is that they would do that before school. They take out their piece of paper that they would remember it all day, that they would stick to it all day, yeah. and then like at the end of the day when we're at dinner, they would report. Yeah, how right. had you do? Well, and our mornings are crazy. I like, try <laughs> to get everyone dressed in for school, and yeah. um, and they're like, "Oh wait, don't forget your piece of paper," and you know to draw it. And then if even if they draw it, drew it, they were like, mm, "I don't like this one," and they put it back, or they'd pick one, they'd keep picking until they liked it. Yeah. Um, and normally they <laughs> pick the ones that were really short. So say a glory be for a priest today. They're like, okay, glory be the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then right. you know, they're like, the I'm done with my Lent thing for today. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so what I've – so I, I got really discouraged in my first year um, of really being intentional with the kids when I thought they were at an age old enough to sort of – to take some initiative and, and pull out a piece of paper on their own. Yeah and have the desire to stick to it. And I think that I was just overzealous um, and my expectations were not, they weren't even realistic because yeah. they're still young. Yeah. And mornings are already difficult. And right. if we lost our backpack or we couldn't find our tennis shoes or you know whatever the case was, that that got pushed aside. And so um, again, learning to sort of be flexible with that was something that yeah. I've had to learn um, so now I just put it on our refrigerator every year. Um, this is like really only the second, <laughs> this will be the third year that we do it. Um, but just put it on the refrigerator and then I hope that they'll take it and I encourage them, but because we tried to do other things with them, I'm like, okay, so this, I still think it's a really great idea. Sure. It hasn't worked out the way that I hope. So I'm just going to leave it there. Sort of like, see what they take from yeah. it. Um, because I also am still learning on what my children are spiritually capable of as they grow. Right. Um, and most of my experiences with high school kids, I was a high school teacher for 11 years. And so um, I think too, parents, we're just, we are learning. So to be patient with ourselves, we are learning how our kids are developing spiritually. Um, yeah. And so that's one of the things that I've had to learn and most of my experimenting with them, and that has resulted in some sort of failure. Yeah, <laughs> but I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, from those moments, we did a we did a wheel of penance uh, at at my house for for a number of years when when my oldest was at a younger age. So she's you know she's eight and a half this land, and and uh, last year we didn't do the wheel. Um, my wife and I just sort of spontaneously discerned the same day, you know. I don't think we need to do the wheel of penance this year, um, but it was an idea I got from a retreat that I went on during Holy Week. Uh, when I was in college, uh, and they they just had a wheel that they spun, and it landed on something, and then that's what you had to do. Uh, so you might have to get up in the middle of the night for vigils at 3 a.m. Uh, you might have to eat only beans or only rice or something, no seasoning or anything. Uh, cold shower, or you could uh, go jump in the pool first thing in the morning when it was still very cold if you didn't <laughs> want to take a cold shower. Um, I don't remember what all the options were, but but it, you spun, and that's what that's what you got. And so we did that for for several years for our kids. And I think the benefit of something like that is it's easier to get them to do maybe, right, maybe (laughs) do one thing that day, and then the next day they have something else to try, rather than they're going to stick with something for 40 days. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that can be really daunting for a little – I mean, 40 days is like forever. You know, you're old at the end of 40 days. You're all grown (laughs) up. As far as a three-year-old can tell, that's forever away. Um, you know, my, my, my daughter who's five and a half, she's going to turn her birthdays in like two months. And she's constantly asking like, is my birthday next week? Like, no, it's (laughs) still, still a ways. So, um, a daily thing that they're sort of 
choosing a you know and it's a limited number and then you can also you get one of the things that was cool about that we got to see which are the ones that they can handle Mm -hmm. pretty well and which are the ones that if they land on this three days in a row we might want to say let's let's spin Spin again again. (laughs) (laughs) and we tried and my wife and i would have our own numbers uh on our our, a separate list that would you know so the kids would spin for us too um and so there were some numbers that were good for the kids but tough for us or oh this one's not too bad for us but it's really hard on the kids and it was just you know just worked out randomly that way but it was interesting to see how that dynamic developed every year but it was you found it useful i found it useful as uh for for a younger age uh because they can you know they're part of it i mean it's similar to to the grabbing the things from the door but uh it it was uh only eight seven or eight things right right so it wasn't a complete random thing you knew it was going to be one of these options uh and then sometimes they might get excited about it because it oh at least it wasn't this other (laughs) thing you know so uh it it was it was good and i think for for younger kids really helps because it's not just one one practice that they're going to have to maintain for you know right the the eternity of lent yeah and i think too maybe as a parent as your kids sort of get older um if they express an interest to want to do something for 40 days right um especially when i would say gosh i don't even know what a good age is um but i would say if they express it um even teaching them like okay so and maybe letting them run with it and see how it goes and then if they fail have a conversation about how that was and if it was a challenge if it was realistic because i think you can do that with older kids right um but really be encouraging in what they choose to do if they choose something for like the whole 40 days because that can be that's tough um, that yeah. can be tough i mean i certainly didn't make it uh 40 days of doing anything for lent till i was probably <laughs> 30 you know uh maybe in my 20s i guess in the seminary i might have succeeded in my lenten plans i don't know but i mean as a kid i, I really can't remember a single lent as a as a kid that at the end of it i was like boy Really nailed it. I <laughs> gave this up for 40 days. And then learning that the Sundays didn't count, that was a real disaster for me. Like, nobody <laughs> should have ever told me that the Sundays weren't part of the number 40. Uh, because then it was like, well, I have to make it six days without having candy. And then I can have a bunch of candy on Sunday and, yeah. you know, go. That's a, uh, I mean, it is technically true. It's not part of the 40 <laughs> days. But I was like, ah, oh, it's one of the things I wish I wouldn't have learned. Uh, yeah. Because it just made it, like, as a kid, like, well, forget it. I mean, yeah. there goes the 40 days. That's it. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about um, let's talk about some practical, maybe other ideas or things that we have, things that have worked, things that have didn't, things that have not worked. Um, just to share some, because I know we've talked about the purpose of Lent and how to remain, maintain our focus and not having um, expectations that aren't really realistic. So. Right. Um, I know you talked about the will of penance. Yeah. Is there any other sort of practical thing that either you have tried or you want to try that you think we could share with the families who are listening? Yeah. Well, uh, at my house for for a number of years, um, we've done the Divine Mercy Chaplet every night during Lent. Uh, It's it's shorter than a rosary. Um, The prayers are shorter and the time span is, is quicker. Uh, but then we also carry that into the novena at the end that goes into Divine Mercy Sunday. And so it kind of gets us, it bridges us out of Lent and into a new season. And, you know, we never make it to Advent, and we're still doing that Divine Mercy Chaplet every every day. But it gives us something that doesn't expire on Holy Saturday. Yeah. Um, so that's been one good thing. The other... Um, 
The other thing we've done at my house for for a number of years now, I think seven or eight years, um, maybe this will be the eighth one, is something we call Holy Week of Darkness. Um, and this was an idea my wife came up with uh, when we were, it was, a, it, it was uh, our first Lent when we had a child. Um, so we just had one baby and she was not quite a year old. And I don't know what inspired my wife exactly, I kind of don't remember, but she said, what if we did something just really outrageously different and difficult for Holy Week? You know, I mean, we've got our Lenten ideas, but let's just, let's just end it with a bang. Just really take Holy Week, like, super seriously. Uh, and she suggested, what if, hey, we don't turn on the lights? We live, we live in darkness for all of Holy Week. We have, you know, we can have candles, but no electricity. Like, leave the TV off. Uh, that year, we even, like, turned the air conditioning up a little bit, you know. But uh, just really make it difficult for us to do the ordinary things we need to do, like eat and mm-hmm. see in the evening. Uh, we lose time because we're, we're, we're dependent on sunlight for really being able to see. And then we'll have to spend some time together not watching TV or, or you know, playing video games or anything. Um, and... At the same time that she suggested that she suggested that I was preparing for the Easter vigil at a parish that I was working at as a DRE, it was my first year to be involved with the par- with the RCIA process and the Easter vigil and all the the intricacies of that liturgy. And at the beginning, if you haven't been to that liturgy, at the beginning of Holy Saturday, uh, everything is in darkness. Uh, the first thing that you see, the first light that you see, is the Paschal candle being processed into the church, and there's this one flickering flame. Uh, the deacon or whoever's bringing it in will raise it a few times and sing the light of Christ, uh, and then gets to the front of the church, and then the readings are even done in darkness usually, uh, and eventually everyone who's been baptized gets gets a little candle, and from that Paschal candle, uh, altar servers, deacons, whoever will will light a couple of candles and then go out into the congregation, and then. What begins to happen is the baptized Christians receive the light of Christ again, and the, that light of Christ illuminates the church, and it's this beautiful moment. And then, of course, you know, there's the singing of of, of the the important word that we can't say during Lent, so I won't say it now during this podcast. <laughs> uh, and the lights often are turned on. And when she suggested living in Holy Week without any lights, I re- I was studying this right at the same time this liturgy. I realized, oh, if I did that, the first time I see lights in a week would be really special. Um, And so it's a sort of a catechetical and liturgical thing. Um, And we added to that over the years some different things. So now it's pretty well-developed liturgy at our house. (laughs) Um, On Palm Sunday, we have a ceremonial turning off of the lights. So we chant the the creed. Uh, We sing the creed in Latin um, because we like to make people uncomfortable. Um, and we turn off all the lights as we do, as we go around the house processing with a candle. Uh, we buy candles during Lent, try and get them at used stores, uh, you know, thrift stores. So we have like misshapen and different colored candles that are halfway burned. Um, and we place them strategically throughout the house. And then, then we light the candles at, at, you know, when the sun begins to go down on Palm Sunday, uh, we collect intentions from our friends, uh, from our family. Um, we, we'll s- send it through Facebook and, and email, and we usually wind up with something like a hundred families that we're praying for by name each night. Um, and all, all this gets wrapped into. We also don't have any way to, to waste time in the evening just unnecessarily. So we might go to bed at like nine thirty because it's already been dark for two hours <laughs> uh, or an hour and a half. Um, we play. My wife and I will play at least one board game by candlelight, That's which is awesome. which is like super romantic, I guess. <laughs> um, Othello by candlelight. Um, it's a very important Lenten practice. 
but the kids have gotten really into it over the mm-hmm. years. Uh, they, they they really look forward to it. Now, by, by Thursday or Friday, they might not be so, such a big fan, but they're really excited to turn off the lights on yeah. Palm Sunday. And they know Holy Week of Darkness is our, like, family special thing. Um, and I have hopes. We'll see how it works out. I have hopes that that's going to make Holy Week forever embedded in their mind as mm-hmm. a really big deal yeah. uh, that they just won't be able to escape uh, because we've, we've practiced it so much. And last year we were able to take them all to the Easter vigil, even the baby, which was pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> and they were able to see the lights turned on uh, for the first time. Power- that is powerful. And it was so, yeah. so cool to see them uh, experience that. So that's, that's something that, that we've done for a number of years and we've told a few different groups of people about it over. And, and, and I don't know, some of our friends have practiced it. Um, it, it's been just a really unique, very special thing um, for us that tries to take what we're doing at home, line up with what we're going to be experiencing in the liturgy. And really, I think that's what the domestic church is about. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. When you told me that idea yesterday, <laughs> I went home and I told my husband right away, I'm like, we have to do this. <laughs> and um, he's like, okay. Sure. Um, but I do. And I think with, and this is something that I have found with, um, my my children again. I don't know if it's everyone, everyone's experiences, but they they very much connect to like ceremonial yeah. type things. Yeah. And so the more that you can include that in your home life, or um, you as a family go plug into those things that your right. parish are doing, um, it does embed itself deep in the memory of children. Right. Um, especially if you do it every year. Because I know even if you take us away from the church setting for a minute, mm-hmm. even in our families, there are certain things that we have done for like holidays, like oh, as yeah. we were growing up, or traditions, you know, that we had as a family that have um, – now there's a, there's an affection to that memory. Sure. Um, and because it's part of what your family did. And something that I have found with my kids is they love the more ceremonial type things that we do. Like they love to light candles um, because we like to make people feel uncomfortable too. We will <laughs> chant in Latin. Um, one of the things, and some of the things my kids initiated on their own. Um, so, you know, when they would go to church, uh, my boys would see the altar servers. And so my son, when he was about, he's four now, when he was about, no, two and a half. He started getting our Swiffer mop and um, would process around with it. And he's like, this is my cross. And so at the end of our nightly prayers, he would say, okay, everyone can follow. And so we would um, chant the Salve Regina and he would carry the Swiffer mop. And so then my husband made a little cross that he could oh, carry wow. around um, and we gave it to him for Christmas. And he was, I know some people may be like, a cross for Christmas, but my son loved it, right? Yeah. Because they do... Um, they do find like watching the altar servers and watching the priests, like there's something very attractive about the holiness and the structure that is established at a mass that they see every week. Right. And so any, any way that I think a family can take something and make it a ceremony, a tradition, um, is really powerful to our kids. Yeah. Another good thing I, that, that I try, I've tried to recommend to parents when I was working at a parish is try and do the true to them. Maybe you can't do all three of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Easter Vigil can be really long. Uh, the Co-Cathedral in Tallahassee, where we live, they did all nine readings. Uh, wow. And, of course, all the Psalms. It was as long as it could possibly be. <laughs> um, and and the, the kids survived it. But uh, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter is eight now. She has gone with me uh, for the last four years to 
Holy Thursday and Good Friday and the Easter Vigil. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the last two years, uh, my, my, my next daughter has sort of looked at that as, that's what big girls do. They go with daddy for, for all three of these. And my wife stayed home with the younger kids um, and said, you want to take two kids to the Triduum? Like, you know, knock yourself out. <laughs> uh, and this year I took two of them to Holy Thursday, uh, or last year, three of them to Good Friday. And then we all wound up going on Easter, on the Easter vigil. Um, and it was, you know, it was really beautiful. That's that's more, I, it's sort of a, a free built-in retreat that the church has for us mm-hmm. uh if it and it's, it's three days in a row now i mean it's a bit of a commitment a lot a lot of times you know good friday is going to be in the middle of the day and if you're working that's like obviously you know it's no it's not a sin if you don't go but if you can make it to those three liturgies those three days in a row um there's just nothing like it yeah you know yeah one of the things um that i have to remind myself of often is that I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, (laughs) the church is 2,000 years old and have practices that have already been established. And yes, trying to bring our children into that, I find myself getting carried away to being creative to make sure that it gets their attention, Right. Um, that I can spend so much time on that, but to realize that I don't have to... I don't have to reinvent something, that right. there's so many things that the church offers during Lent. Um, and so maybe something that families can do is just see what their parish is doing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's Stations of the Cross every Friday. Most parishes, yeah. Most parishes. Um, penance service, certainly. Yeah. All, all, almost every diocese will have, or every parish will have a penance service during Lent. A lot of parishes will do Lenten missions. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they offer child care, then they're they're really thinking through how valuable this could be. Um, we've we've gotten a lot out of, of Lenten missions in the past. Um, what are some other things? Uh, the Stations of the Cross, we already said. Um, I would even say maybe um, go into adoration. Yeah. Um, most churches might increase the amount of time that they have adoration. And if they don't, there are times um, most parishes will offer like a weekly um, day. Yeah. Um, from my understanding, um, I know here in Tyler we have Perpetual Adoration Chapel um, that you can go to, but even just making that like, okay, all, I mean, I know I say all we have to do is get them in the car and bring them there, which can be, (laughs) (laughs) which can be, um, quite challenging in and of itself. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but even those things that don't take a lot of, in a sense, creative planning for our little kids, um, maybe let them bring their little, like a religious book that they like, or, um, like I'll let my kids journal the ones who can write, um, maybe read some scripture. Um, and of, of course my little one, my little boys like to play mass when we're there. Yeah. <laughs> so they're incensing everything with the rosary. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, which I don't know what the other people who are in adoration think, but you know, I'm like, they're just trying to be altar servers or yeah. priests. When, um, I, when, when we lived in, in Louisiana, we had a perpetual adoration chapel really close to our house. And I would, uh, occasionally take take the the girls over and and say let's go we're gonna go say hi to Jesus um, and like I, my goal was we're gonna be in there for four minutes maybe uh, <laughs> because I don't want to disrupt the people that are in you know some serious prayer and I don't know how long they can take it but right. let's just like look let's go say hi to Jesus who's here in the Eucharist we'll we'll say some prayers for everyone in our family and look around you know here's here's a window. I don't mm-hmm. mean maybe I don't know who it is, but look at this pretty window or look at this yeah. statue. Um, just that that sort of thing. Also, a lot of parishes will have Lenten meals um, yeah. one day a week. It might not be on Friday. Um, 
but th- those are good good opportunities to to show that you know what we're doing during Lent is not just about us and our house, but it's 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 us as a church. So I think there is it is important to try and be involved in in at least some way what's happening at the parish, yeah, uh, and and not try to either invent everything on your own or sustain the energy of we have to do this Lent stuff all by ourselves right. happening here at the house. We have the body of Christ with us in the in the process at the uh, you know at your parish level. Yeah, so I think at the maybe even at the bare minimum to see what your parish is doing and then yeah. what you can plug in there um, and um, and sort of navigate all of that thing, all there's, of those things. And there's plenty of free stuff, too, or, or very low-cost stuff. I know Bishop Barron always has a, a book of Lenten Gospel Reflections. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Kelly usually has something for free. Uh, there's So there's there's other, other resources that you can get uh, pretty easily, too. Yeah, and if you... There are so many things out there Lenten related, even family Lenten related. Like I yesterday I was just Googling and I found like two or three different articles that was like 40 things for your family to do. And I'm like, okay, this is over. <laughs> it's a little overwhelming. But there there is a lot of stuff out there. Right. Um, and um, for either for families, for kids, and for adults. So um, maybe even just take some time to um, prudently discern um, what you're going to do for yourself what you can do for um, your kid or what your kids can do and help them learn how to how to sort of navigate that as they're sort of choosing their own right. Lenten practice and then what you're going to do as a family. Uh, one of the things that we have done in the past, it worked really well for Advent, so I think we're going to continue it um, in Lent, is during Advent we had an Advent prayer chain where at dinner we would just um, write down someone we want to pray for and make a little chain and we would oh. actually put it around our... We called it our Advent tree. Yeah. Because it wasn't Christmas yet. Our Advent tree is still up at my house. Um, so is ours. <laughs> <laughs> ours is still there. So um, so one of the things that, um, that I read and that kind of ties this thing that they've already um, really enjoyed during Advent, so during Lent, is um, either ask people if we can pray for them and to write their names ahead of time and make a chain right and then every day they can take a chain from that and we'll read it at dinner so kind of like a little bit of a reverse but the same idea because it's something that they've already done during advent that they they ask every year we're going to do this so maybe continuing that into lent so we're hoping to do a lenten prayer chain um and something that i'm going to try this year too is um sacrifice beans have you ever heard I've heard, heard sacrifice beads, yeah. Okay, well, these are sacrifice beans. beans yeah, so I don't know how the, I, the idea is that you just get just, you know, uncooked beans, hard beans, and um, you can have a list of things that they can do. Right. And you could even do this as a family exercise, like what are things that we can do as a family? And after they complete one of those, and it could be, say, a prayer, it could be giving up something for the day, it could mm-hmm. be... Um, donating a toy to charity or spending money that you earn to go buy canned goods, whatever it is. Um, And once they complete that, they put a bean in a jar. And um, at Easter, all of those beans turn into jelly beans. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, and so at Easter, you sort of get to... um, that's cool. Enjoy Do you the tell them that they're going to turn into jelly beans ahead of time? Yeah, Or is it a surprise to them? My kids... um, (laughs) incentives work really yeah. good for my kids and as much as i wish that they would just do it out of their love for jesus and didn't expect anything in return right um you know incentives have worked have yeah. worked well but also telling them like okay you you can't eat all these jelly beans in one day yeah <laughs> you know um so that's something that we're going to try this year i actually did that with my high school students the last year that i taught yeah oh man 
they loved it. <laughs> um, of, of course, theirs was not. Um, they didn't get jelly beans. I think they may have gotten. Um, gosh, what did I give? to them for a reward. I don't know, maybe some a few extra credit points that really would not make a difference in whether yeah. they made an A or B, but they're sure. like, what? This is, you know. Yeah. So they were like dropping beans in the jar and the classes started competing with each other. And I'm like, I don't know if this is the best <laughs> practice, but <laughs> it got them to do things. Um, right. And they, you know, it was, it was interesting watching my high school kids be excited that they accomplished something and that they could put a bean, because right. they had to tell me what they did before they could put the bean in the jar. Right. And, um, and that was really kind of fun just to see their excitement. So that's something that we're going to try this year um, yeah. is our prayer chain and sacrifice beans. Um, sort of encourage the kids to um, – the sacrifice beans will hopefully encourage them to – that individual thing. So kind of like yeah. a different version of the, the penance wheel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I think, you know, all, all these – there, there are just tons of ideas out there of, of good practices during Lent, uh, you know, whether that's the Rosary or the Divine Mercy Chaplet or any of these things Mickey was talking about. Um, one one that I think probably not enough people think of um, is to try and take some part of the Liturgy of the Hours and try and try and do that. So I, I was lucky enough to be forced to pray the Liturgy of the Hours <laughs> when I was in the seminary, um, but it was only morning and evening prayer. Right, and we they didn't make us do the office of readings while I was there, and I didn't obviously I didn't get ordained, so I never made any vows or promises, and 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 I I never did the office of readings, uh, and and last year for Lent I decided I was just going to do the office of readings. I wasn't going to try and like do at morning prayer and office of readings and evening prayer, and so it's it's a different set of of readings that I hadn't read before, um, and my goodness, was it just, just marvelous. I don't know if you've read the, the, the homily from Easter Saturday that's in, in the office of readings. Mm-mm. Oh, it's, 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 it's just, I read it to the kids. It's amazing. Uh, it's an ancient homily from, from Easter Saturday. Uh, and go look that up. Now. Yeah. 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 I would say that's like good homework for anybody. Uh, if you've never read the homily that is included in the office of readings for Easter vigil for, for Holy Saturday, um, you need you need to do that. It's the second reading. There's, there's a reading from Scripture, and then the second reading is this, an ancient homily on Holy Saturday, and it's fantastic. Wonderful. Well, maybe we should make that your Into the Chariot. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, if you have not read that, seriously, it's amazing. Um, I just, that's all I can say. There's not, I can't even describe in any sort of adequate fashion how awesome yeah. that homily is, especially to read it on that day. But you can read it before then. You don't have to wait till then to, to read it. But it's so powerful on the liturgical feast uh, to read it that day. Yeah. So if there's someone who's not familiar with Liturgy of the Hours, um, where could they easily oh, yeah. find, That's a good question. Um, find this? Because we're going to make that an Into the Chariot. And okay. Into the Chariot is when we give a practical bit of like homework. If, if you yeah. want to call it that, um, of something that they can do. And so if someone's like, you know what? I can commit to reading to reading something on Holy Saturday. Yeah. Um, where could they find you it? You can find it at univer- universalis.com. Uh, it's a free website that has all of them. It's a little clunky to navigate. Uh, there's also an app. Uh, I think it's iBrevery. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the name of the app. Is that correct? Yeah. You know? Yeah. iBrevery you can get on um, iPhone and on Android devices. Um, and it's free. Uh, and it's a little easier to navigate. You know, you have to go to the office of readings for that day and make sure you're on the right day and everything. But uh, those two sources have it for free. Uh, there may be other places, but but those are the ones I use when I don't want to go get the physical book off the right. shelf. And the books are pretty pricey. So um, you can get it for free at those two places. Awesome. 
Um, and one of the things that I'm going to recommend, and this is something, and we've done it as a family, is um, we we go to Stations of the Cross. We try to go every Friday, but sometimes it's family life, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's Someone family life. Someone can get sick. <laughs> Someone can always get sick. Always get sick. Um, And one of the, and so I really encourage parents um, to maybe try to do some inclusion of the Stations of the Cross. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you have to go to the whole hour Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Probably one of the most meaningful Stations of the Cross things that I did with my kids is I, and you can find them online, like free coloring pages of all of the Stations of the Cross. Um, and what I did is I gave each of my kids a little coloring thing of each station. Um, and they were just at our kitchen table coloring and I would read a little bit about that station and as they were coloring. And then, um, if they wanted to move on to the next one, I'm like, okay, well let's move on. Um, and that would happen like two or three times. I'm like, is this even sticking? But then one time, um, I forget, I think we're doing when, when Mary and Jesus meet. Mm-hmm. When Jesus meets his mother, and my daughter was like, "Do you think she was sad?" And we had, I think she was like six at the time. We had an amazing conversation about what that would have been like right. for Jesus and Mary. And I, I felt, and maybe she thinks about these things and doesn't voice them very much, but um, I felt like at that moment, um, it was a beautiful moment of her taking something that she's listening to and she's meditating on as she's coloring and then she opens up with this question that led into a really great uh like formative time and it was a great conversation yeah um but what i didn't do is like you have to color (laughs) all of these and you have to listen to all the stories and it was very um i think that's when i started learning to be a little bit more flexible like yeah but then what we did with their colored things is we put it their colored stations at the crosses we just taped them um on this windowsill by our kitchen table so we saw them all the time and the kids would be like, hey, could we do Stations of the Cross um, before we go to bed? And so we would go through it, I mean, kind of quickly, because if you just say each right. station, yeah. um, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. But um, they were able to sort of meditate, see the fruit of their work, and then ask if they could pray that. And so that right. was something that was really helpful. Um, so I would say some way try to include Stations of the Cross yeah. in some manner into the home yeah. life. And you can find Fulton Sheen's Way of the Cross online um, for free at the Internet Internet Archive website. Uh, it was awesome. printed like a really long time. You can also buy it for a few dollars, but it's, that's an excellent one. It doesn't work great for kids, I will say, from my, <laughs> from my experience, but I find it to be a beautiful meditation on this, you know, the different stations. Wonderful. Well, this has been so fun. I know it's our first one to yeah. do together, so um, we cannot wait to do our um, Holy Week of Darkness. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's a new thing that we're doing. Yeah. Um, and so um, just to sort of remind you of sort of the teams that we do, um, we have Bishop Strickland and Dr. Trisenkos, who do a podcast, uh, Father Braun and Doug Berry. Mm-hmm. I know Deanne and I have done one, and Luke's been um, sort of sprinkled into all of yeah. those on various occasions. Um, so if you have any questions or anything that you would like uh, to see on future podcasts, um, you could email us at podcast at, oh goodness, stphilipinstitute.org. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so check out our um, podcast on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, um, and we would really appreciate um, a review on iTunes. Let us know what you yeah. think and sort of what you want to hear from us. And share it with anybody you know. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and so now we are going to end with an apostolic blessing from the bishop. 
The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.